<clears throat> Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I would like to go to the book of Romans, the fifth chapter. I know it is the day after Christmas, but I just I didn't have my, on my mind this morning to read the nativity story. You know, I couldn't, didn't just didn't have those those thoughts on my mind. Now that is beautiful. Like I, I love what Brother Kevin was saying about the thoughts of Christ dwelling within us, and that really is what the whole birth and everything should be about. But uh. What I have uh, on my mind this morning is in the fifth chapter, I'll start in, uh, I'll start in the second verse. But whom also we have access by faith, talking about Jesus Christ, into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Now, that is a very strange concept to me to think about. And especially in this day and age to think about glorying and being happy about tribulations and about trials and temptations. Um, I feel like that is not what the world wants us to be happy about, to be glory in. I think they think it's the exact opposite. That we should be able to wave a magic wand and make those go away. Um, and I have known, sadly, I've known several people that whenever the trials and tribulations come their way, I, I think they believe that they shouldn't have any anymore once they come to the knowledge of Christ, that those should just be a thing of the past, that everything should just be hunky-dory, just go down my life with no problems at all, but I think we all know that that doesn't happen. I think if anything, you have more. And uh, so glory and tribulations. But he says after knowing that tribulation worketh patience. When I think of patience, I think of, uh, I think of stamina or endurance. Um, I, in high school, I knew a guy who was a gifted runner. He could run miles and miles, and it's like he never got tired. He never, uh, I, I, could, I don't even remember if I even saw sweat on him hardly. He'd just run and run, and uh, I was amazed by that. And I tried to run with him a couple of times, and I, I could not do it. I couldn't do it. And uh, he told me that his father used to drop him off at the park, and he'd, just, he'd have him run. And he'd just run and run. And, uh, you know, whenever you run for a long period of time, you get that, I don't know what y'all, I get that pain inside my stomach. And I would always be told, you know, you just got to keep pushing through it. You got to keep on running. But I just want to <laughs> I think I think I'm good, man. I think I'm going to go home. Uh but that, that pain, when he said when you push through that and you keep going, that's how you build up your endurance, your stamina. And uh, it seems like Paul's talking about the same thing here in a spiritual sense when we go through problems. And then he says in patience, experience. Uh, you know, I, I'm sorry, I love to talk about movies just because I, I love movies. But, if you talk, but whenever I think of a, a, a wartime movie, or whenever there's a battle, you know, usually the people you want on your side, fighting side by side with you, it's not those new rookies, soldiers that, you know, just have just joined the ranks. It's those seasoned vets. That's who you want on your side fighting with you. Those people that have uh, been th- been through countless battles and they know uh, they know all the different uh, plans and tactics that would work because they've been through them. They've been through similar situations. And, uh, you know, we have, uh, I believe, a lot of people here who I think are experienced veteran soldiers of God. 
Paul uh, in 2 Timothy compares us to a, a good soldier of Christ. That's what he says. And uh, a, a soldier, the best, like I said, the best soldiers are the ones that they've seen battles. They've seen combat. And uh, I think we go through battles every day. And um, whenever you push through them and you build up that endurance, that's when you gain that experience and um, to help others. And then he says, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. All right, so I think, I, I think I've known several people who they just weren't willing to make it that far to get to the hope. Um, when push comes to shove, I think sometimes we like to just tuck our tails and run instead of uh, pushing through it. And I think Paul here is saying that hope, I think that hope is Jesus Christ. And uh, hope is a gift. I think it's a gift of God. And it, but it takes, it takes work to build up that hope, to build up that trust in God. Um, in Jeremiah, the 17th chapter, he compares hope, I believe, to a tree. In the seventh verse, it says, Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, and that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. If you think about a big tree, the biggest tree that there is, it took time for it to get that size. I've never seen a tree that just magically grew overnight into this huge tree. It takes time. It takes patience. And uh, I think too often in life, we, we want to get somewhere without actually working, working, for, working to get there. Uh, I just like wanting to know knowledge of the Bible. I remember I, I used to be just envious of people that just knew so much about the Bible and then just quote scripture. And uh, you want to be able to do that, but then you learn over time it, it takes work. It takes time. It takes a, a whole lot of patience. And uh, patience, I think, is something we, we very much lack in. I know I do anyways. And uh, I, I just pray that this morning as we're here that we will that we will put, persevere and push through. I know that we all go through our own trials. I, got, I, I fight my battles every day. And, uh, but don't lose, don't lose hope. Don't lose that hope of Jesus Christ. Because I, I promise you, any, anything that you go through, there's, Christ can help you get through it. That's right. And uh, you say, well, how do I know? How do I know what he, what he wants me to do or what I should do? I think it's just like, uh, how, how do you know what anybody wants you to do? You talk to them. You listen to them. Uh, so if, if you're worried about something, what's helped me is to pray about it, to pray to God about it. And then to listen to them, well, you've got to read in the Bible. I remember when I was a kid, I heard a preacher say that anything you were, anything you were wondering about, there was an answer in the Bible. And I thought, well, that, that just don't make any sense to me because I'd read it and I didn't find what I was looking for. But I, as I've gotten older and I've gone through experience, I believe he was telling the truth. So, I pray this morning that we will not lose our hope, which is in the Lord Jesus Christ, as we celebrate on Christmas. Thank you. I really enjoyed Brother Cole's remarks this morning, and, and uh, 
sound advice and sound scriptures, sound teaching. And it yields sound results. Uh, and the Word of God never does uh, lead us astray. Uh, it doesn't always give us the answer that we're wanting. Brother Cole talks about that and uh, talking about praying and looking in the scriptures. Uh, and what we want sometimes God to extend to us is not given that because it's just not God's will. Um, and that's why we are always taught in the scriptures to be reconciled to God's will and not he to us. Uh, that's not how it works. You know, we are, we are the subordinates in this instance. Uh, he, is, he is God and we're not. We, we are men. We are his creation. We didn't create God. He created us. Uh, and he has the right and authority to, uh, to give us commands and, and uh, tell us to, to run races. I thought of the scripture uh, when he's talking about um, running the fellow that, that in high school that run, that Paul talked to, told us to run our race with patience. Uh, and then tells us how we run it, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Also tells us to lay aside every sin and the weight that does so easily beset us. Now, have you ever tried to... I bet the fellow that ran did not load himself down with barbells and put a bunch of weights on his legs and then run the race. He laid aside the things that would, that would keep him from running as, as good as he could. As well as he could run, he put off all things that would hinder his course, hinder, hinder his race. And that's what Paul alludes to. You have things that hinder you. I have things that hinder me. Uh, and our race, though, is only ran properly when we keep our eyes on Jesus. We simply do what Jesus tells us to do. We don't argue with him. We don't, we don't uh, take our eyes off of him. And, and that's what Paul said, continuing that. And that's not my theme. I'm going to get to my theme in a little bit. But I, I did appreciate that. Now, <clears throat> so Paul, Paul says concerning that race... Uh, if you ever get tired of doing it, you get, it just it seems monotonous. And it doesn't yield, Christ doesn't yield worldly riches and gains. He doesn't yield worldly treasures and trophies. He doesn't yield um, new houses and cars. The wicked have those things just like the righteous. I mean, God's good to them too in that sense. I'm talking about the things of Christ, the spiritual things of Christ are, are that within themselves. They're spiritual. And Paul said, in case we get tired of the race, which we can, or he wouldn't told it, tell us this. <clears throat> he says, you consider him that endured such a great contradiction of sinners against himself. And that's, that's Jesus. And, and, and you know, you are the sinner. I am the sinner. That Christ endured such a great contradiction of sinners against himself. Consider him, lest you be wearied, and faint in your own minds, lest you grow tired of serving, uh, serving Christ and, and grow tired of, of running the race. That, that is our strength. That keeps us from growing tired of it, considering Jesus Christ and his sufferings on our behalf, uh, the, uh, which, which is a good uh, segue into what I would like to speak of a little bit this morning. Um, and the... The thoughts that sprang up this morning in my mind 
come from the book of Zechariah, uh, the prophet. And uh, from the fourth verse of the, I mean, the uh, fourth chapter, the tenth verse. And uh, this, is, this is the word of God that came to him. So, so literally, this is, this is God speaking uh, to, to, uh, to Zechariah the prophet about a certain man, and really two men, but particularly one man here. Uh, but also an event that was going on as to why God would address it this way. For who hath despised the day of small things? You know, we, uh, <laughs> we kind of live in a time when everything's got to be glorious and grand, don't we? Everything's going to be bigger and larger, go faster, sound louder, um, have a, you know, you have bigger televisions we ever had. Uh, we, our, our vehicles are, are better than they've ever been, and I'm thankful for those things. But it's always a bigger is better kind of mentality. Uh, and that, that gets into religion too. Uh, and yet God says, who hath despised the things of, or the days of small things? Um, you know, we are, we are programmed within our own natures, and, 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 and certainly nature feeds to nature, does it not? You know, Paul said, What man knoweth the things of a man except by the spirit of man that is in him? So I can talk to you about natural things that you relate to because I have them too. Uh, you know, I, we, we could probably talk about uh, certain things that we enjoy to eat that we naturally enjoy to eat together. They're, they're just good tasting things. Now, you might come across somebody that doesn't like them, but they have something else in common with you. Uh, but even, Paul said, but even so, the things of God knoweth no man, with the exception that the Spirit of God is in. Now, if we're going to talk about things of God, then you have to have a Spirit of God in you to even understand them or, or, and have a common concern about them. So that the things of God are, are oftentimes considered small things, unimportant and unvalued, because, again, they don't yield the things that the flesh, flesh and blood desires of them, and they never have and they never will. And so, so the, the idea of, of, of making God and making religion something that, that's just outstanding and, 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 uh, and flamboyant, like we do everything else in life, bigger, better, larger. We don't ever consider that we might be despising the day of small things. Now, because God says, who will who, do that? What, what individual, who shall uh, despise the, th the day of small things? Because small things are important. Small things come from the heart. Small things is what God gives us. Now, when I say small things, this is in perspective, okay? This, this scripture here has got to be used in a sense of your perspective and my perspective because it's based upon an event in which there is perspective. Now, the event here is that, that the, the children of Israel being, being led captive because of their sins... That is, God simply gave them up to a nation that would drive them out of their land, keep them from serving God, 
And then when they got into the land of Babylon, and, and, and uh, that is the land, by the way, and it, and it changed governments a few times before they got back to this point here, back to Jerusalem, they would, they would ask the children of God to sing them songs. You know, and, and, uh, and the psalmist, in the 147th Psalm, he said, How shall we sing the songs of God in a strange land? You know, they, and, uh, in other words, the, the world don't mind you performing. Uh, but they may, they may want you to perform so they can mock you. <laughs> and that's, that's kind of the theme of that, that psalm. You know, can we sing the, the songs of God in a strange land? No, you can't. There, there's no, they, they don't understand the language. So to, to appeal to flesh and blood with the language of the Spirit doesn't do any good. It, it, it's simply, well, they'll turn the head or, and, and not be interested in it. But again, because the things of man, man knows because of the Spirit of man is in him. The things of God, certain individuals know because the Spirit of God is in them. That's why Jesus would always say, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. That's why he would say to a certain set of Jews, why do you not understand my speech? Why do you not understand my words? He said, even because you cannot hear. He that is of God heareth God's words. You hear them not because you're not of God. So people who hear God's words are born of God. And they have ears to hear. Now what they do with those words, that's a whole different matter. And that's, that's kind of what I want to talk about this morning, about not despising the day of small things. Now, the, uh, the, the, the children of Israel have been granted a liberty to come back into their land, uh, the land that they should have never relinquished, and they, and they wouldn't have had they been obedient to God. You know, when God means what He says, when God says, if, if, if you disobey me, this is the result, guess what? That's the result. God says, if you obey me, and you keep my words and my commandments, then you will be blessed. Don't mean you won't go through trials. Now listen, we're talking about a spiritual realm here. It's a, it's, a, it's a realm that not all men have in common with you and I. <clears throat> so natural trials lead to a more spiritual patience. As we look not on the things that are seen, Paul says, but the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal. I just, we just give a lot of temporal gifts to our children at Christmas. I expect you did the same. Those are not eternal things. I can't give them eternal things. You can't buy the things of Christ. They're not purchased at Walmart or on Amazon. They are hid in Christ. And so they must be dug out of the thing they are hid in. And that is up to you and I to dig them out. That, and, and, and this kingdom is taken by by prayer and supplication is taken by obedience, by submission, by subjection, by, by loving the author of our eternal salvation more than we love our own lives. And that's considered small in the eyes of the world. Uh, but in the eyes of God's children, we should never, ever despise the day of small things as if it is unimportant. So the... So the children of Israel now back to rebuild the, the, uh, the temple of God, the place that God has put His name in under that dispensation of time. Uh, and about perspective, you find it in the book of Ezra. Let's go read in the book of Ezra, the third chapter, uh, just a little bit. Again, to put this in perspective. 
So sometimes what people see is, is understood just because, or understood in a different way because of a a perspective that, that they've never been accustomed to before. All right, so, so as, and, and, and let me say this, when, when the children of Israel came back to rebuild, they were not without enemies. Now, if you, you go read the books of, of, of Ezra, you read the books of Nehemiah, and you compare them with the prophets of Haggai and Zechariah, that's kind of the, the, the theme we're talking about this morning. <clears throat> Folks, people do not want the house of God to be built. All right, they, 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 the place that God puts his name has always had enemies. And they had enemies and they went back. They had people that met them right off the bat. And once they saw that they were building this temple, they started laying the foundation of the temple. Yeah, everything has to have a foundation on it. If it's going to be built right, it's got to have a foundation. If you do not dig deep, Jesus Christ tells us in the uh, last part of the seventh chapter of the book of Matthew, and which refers also to Luke and Mark. He said, He that cometh unto me, heareth my word, and doeth my word. Now notice, there is a sequence. He that cometh unto me, which is, draw, which, which is by the grace of God, heareth my words, because he hath ears to hear, but he doesn't stop, doeth my words. I will liken him unto a wise man that digged deep and laid his, found, laid his house upon a rock. Now, to dig deep, y'all, it takes labor. And now, if, if you were to go out here and, and build something and you knew that, you know, 15 feet down in this gravelly old land out here, and, and, and we don't have heavy equipment to dig it for us, you, you simply got a, a shovel and a spade. Uh, and, and, uh, and a pick, something that takes physical labor. And you know that 15 feet down, there's a rock down there that you know will never move. But it's so much easier to build right on top of the ground, isn't it? And it looks very firm. But labor to go down to the rock is worth it. And that's why Jesus says a wise man will do this. A wise man is going to build his whole life on the rock that Jesus Christ is, the foundation of all things that are good and solid. Small things. Don't despise it. But a foolish man will simply build where it's easy. He'll just it kind of goes along with the with the running water. You know, it, it, it follows the path of least resistance. Uh, it doesn't get in my way. If there's a tree in the way, the water finds its way around the tree. If there's a rock in the way, the water finds its way around the rock. It, it just follows these paths of resistance. It doesn't move the rock. It doesn't move the tree. And, and, and our nature, that's just what, that's how we want to live. We just want what's easy. But Christ calls us foolish for doing such a thing like that and building our whole life upon the sand because he does not say that if. He says when, winds blow, storms arise, water rages, and beats against you and I. Some are going to stand and some are going to fall. Now those who labor in the Lord, and, 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 and uh, Cole talked about, about that labor, about working. You know, and, and Paul said, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding. When? 
And how often do you abound? Always, Paul says. Always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Jesus will not tell us to do something and say it's vain to do it. The Son of God says, dig deep, dig deep. Whatever it is that that contradicts the Word of God in me and in you, whatever it is that, that makes you want to take the path of least resistance, that keeps you from digging to working in the kingdom of God, uh, 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 worshiping God, uh, uh, following after the Lord Jesus Christ, dig deep, get it out of your way, shovel it out, remove it, put your whole life based upon the Lord Jesus. He is the only unfailing rock. Anything else, friends? And uh, you've got a house that's going to crumble. Got a house going to crumble. That's a small thing in the eyes of the world. Always has been. Uh, so when they built this foundation, they got enemies saying, all right, if they do this, I remember the days of old when, when the kings of Israel ruled and this house was built. My goodness, we paid tribute to them. They, they were dominant. They were dominant. And so they would, they would contrive schemes, make up lies, make up lies. And it would frighten the children of Israel. These two were building it. It would scare them. They just put their tools down. All right, well, just quit. Well, quit. Fifteen years, they didn't. They never built until God said it's time for my house to be built. All right. So when they laid the foundation, here it is, just a you know, just just a foundation, and and we have perspective in the third chapter of Ezra. All right, in the third chapter of Ezra. Tenth verse. And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, they set the priests in their apparel with trumpets. I mean, this this thing's not built yet, and, and yet they set priests in their apparel. Some people think this is important. They sent uh, the, the the singers, the son of Asaph, was sent uh, uh, the, to praise the Lord with cymbals and order, uh, after the ordinances of David, the king of Israel. They sang together by course in praising and giving thanks unto the Lord. That's what we did this morning. We sang together. And thanksgiving to the Lord. <clears throat> because He's good. If there's no other reason that you and I sing together, this is it. Because He's good. And His mercy endureth forever toward His spiritual Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of God or the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the priests and the Levites and chief of the fathers who were ancient men that had seen that first house and the foundations of this house was laid before their eyes, they wept with a loud voice. And many shouted aloud for joy so that people could not discern the noise of the shout from the noise of joy of, and, and, and nor from their weeping uh, because there was, a, there was perspective by some. <clears throat> so some remembered how glorious the, 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 the first temple was and and how magnificent, and you know, there's really never been another structure like it because God built it. It was He built that thing exactly the dimensions He wanted it. It was hanged with the kind of curtains and material He wanted it. It had the kind of gold He wanted it. Uh, he gave them the blueprint of that temple. And you can read about that in, in, uh, uh, in, in the days of Solomon. God gave Solomon the blueprint of that temple. And there's never been another structure on this earth that has ever been so glorious as uh, of that, with the exception of the church. With the exception of the church. Now, the glory is not outward. <laughs> you know, and again, this not despise the day of small things. Uh, 
What is small in the eyes of God, and small in the eyes of the world, are important in the eyes of God. So the people who remembered the beauty of the temple under Solomon, they wept because here, you know, we're being reduced to this foundation. We've been reduced to the foundation because they lived to see it. Now, 70 years, y'all, 70 years went by, and they still had children. So when children were born in captivity, they never did see that first temple. But when God brought them to a place, and he tells them to build, and they start working in the kingdom of God, and the foundation is laid. The very first thing that Paul would say, I have laid the foundation, which is Jesus Christ. That is new people who, who, have, who, who never have been acquainted with the church and its doctrine. Who never have been acquainted with, with predestination, election. Never have been acquainted with free grace, sovereign grace. A divine and holy God to save a wretched people. To not give them a chance or give them a choice, but to save them fully and freely according to His own will and purpose which is given in Christ before the world began. In the foundation. The foundation's always been there. But in preaching, you, you lay it. You lay that foundation properly. And so new, new people whose eyes have been opened, uh, who, who God has uh, born of His Spirit, and they see the thing... They rejoice. I mean, because they don't know. that This is their first exposure to that glory of God. While others remember, remember the days uh, when, when, the, when the kings of Israel were, were dominant and when, the, when there was such peace in the land. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like nowadays when you hear people talking about what the church, the primitive Baptists, used to be. And I talk about it because I remember as a, as a young child. I mean, I, I'm, you know, I'm 51 year old. I remember, gosh, when, when we started coming to Buffalo Church when I was young. You know, in, in, in Matheny Grove. Uh, you walk in Matheny Grove on a Sunday and you have a hard time uh, finding a place to, see, uh, to sit. The seats were taken. Now, <clears throat> it's all about perspective. It's all about perspective. Now, do I wish that the house of God was full? Yes, and, and Jesus Christ did too. Let me say this. You think that, that it doesn't matter to Christ. Jesus Christ, it matters to Him. In Luke 14, He says, You, the servants, you go out and you bring in those that are lame, that are maimed. In other words, those that really need Me. Those that I have wounded. You bring them in that My house is Full. Now, full of what? It's full of sinners. Saved sinners. <laughs> it is full of thankful sinners who have not despised the day of small things. Because all the work of God and, and how the church is laid and how, and, and how you are fit to be here has never never was and never will be meant to appeal to the world. It just never will. Because, you know, we, we have a, there's a common uh, theme of, of things that, you know, that God sends His Son to a fallen world and hopes the fallen world 
will lift themselves up and get him. Listen, the fallen world loves their condition. The fallen world loves falling. It loves to be in sin. That is what man enjoys. He enjoys himself. He enjoys corruption and sin. He has no, there is no contradiction in him against himself until he is born again. So the themes of God, and that is a small thing. Even the doctrine of grace is considered a small thing. Uh, we should never despise the day of small things, how God operates. How God operates. How God works. How God saves. Why God saves. For His own glory's sake. Why God builds a church, establishes a place, and, a, and, a, and, and builds a foundation upon principles and ordinances and doctrines. Baptism. Um, washing one another's feet. The Lord's Supper with, with wine and, and uh, unleavened bread. Uh, small things to the world. But it was never meant to be appealing to them. In Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul states it very plainly. <clears throat> Paul says, for after, this is the 21st verse of the first chapter. <clears throat> Well, let's go to the 18th. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the, wise? Where is the scribe? Where is, he that, where is the disputer of this world? Uh, hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save a believer. A believer needs salvation, y'all. And if you're a believer, you need salvation. <clears throat> now your belief in Jesus Christ is an evidence, an a absolute evidence of you being born of God. Paul, uh, John says, he that believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. If you believe that, it is because you are born of God. But you still need salvation. That's what the preaching of the cross now provides. It is a small thing to the world. It was not meant for them. God used it to confound them. God uses the very thing that you and I enjoy and we, we think about and contemplate uh, and, uh, and we, we, we should never despise the day of small things. This today, that what you're doing today would be considered small. Even to God's children who have been removed from the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. This is a simple form of worship, is it not? Yes, it is. But it's, it's God's way. I don't wish to change anything God has set up. The only thing I wish to change is me. My perspective. That is, I will. The only thing I need to change is the way I view things by the will of God or by the will of Lofton. Now, which would be the better will to go by? I say it's the will of God that is for my good. And that is not something I ought to despise or consider a small thing. It is not small to God to, des to despise a day of small things for me, that myself. That's, that's what I can change. Now, when I, when I say I can change, I am not changing my spots as the leopard cannot do, nor the color as the Ethiopian cannot do. But it is my will. 
that God now works in me both to will and to do of His good pleasure and not Lofton's. Lofton's chooses the least path of resistance. In, in my own nature, I will despise the day of small things. You know, there, there's, and Brother Eric talked about in his prayer, uh, that there, there's so many choices to do today. Choices. We make choices. And, the, and choices we can change. Choices to line our lives up with the Son of God, which is small in the eyes of the world, because, again, He does not yield the things that our flesh and blood love. What Christ yields to us are things of grace and salvation. They're treasures, but they're not worldly treasures. It's a kingdom, but it's not a worldly kingdom. He's the king of this kingdom. He is the object, the only object of worship in it. There are no standouts. There's, there, there should never be a, uh, a desire to, to stand out above and beyond everybody else, we are to stand together in this. This is, this is the Lord's kingdom when God's people do not des- despise the, the day of small things. A very uh, <laughs> meaningless effort that, that folks who don't understand the ways of God and, and, and the simplicity in Christ is just not what I want to do today. You know, we, we, uh, <laughs> the old Baptists have been, we've been hurt by so many uh, of our own devices. You know, and, and gosh, we were, and those of you who, who come here in the 90s understand, you know, we, we are the, <laughs> we are our own worst enemy. Sometimes we just shoot ourselves in the feet or in the foot or both feet. Yeah, I'll say that because that, that affects uh, both sides of us. Uh, so, you know, we have done damage to ourselves. And our fightings and wranglings among the old Baptists that, that you know, was, is, a, is a device of Satan within itself. I mean, Satan knows how to divide the churches. He can divide the churches in many different ways. And if we're not careful, we'll just turn ourselves against one another like a pack of wolves. You know, and, and just and start attacking one another. And then Peter Baptists have done that before. There's other methods and means that the deceiver uses. To destroy churches. Uh, one thing he says is nobody does it this way anymore. You know, and 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 if you're gonna worship, why don't you why don't you worship like everybody else? They seem they they seem to do better, do they not? With numbers, sure they do. I, and I'm I'm convinced that we could go somewhere numbers-wise this morning. That's a whole lot more than what I'm looking at here at Buffalo Church and most parent of Baptist churches. <clears throat> and so, the, so we've been hurt by things like, well, there's just nothing there for the children. Or well, let me let me ask you, what what more do our children need than the preaching of the cross and the salvation that comes by? Well, they, they need to be, you know, they need to feel important. Well, 
they're important to the Lord, but they don't need to feel like they're more important than an 85-year-old brother who sits up here on the front. They, they, you know, you got, you got to give them something to, to make them feel like they're a part of. They, you know, if they, if they're a part of Christ, they're a part of the greatest thing there is on this earth. They're a part of the Son of God. What more could our children need to make them happy than that? So, so the old Baptists have, you know, and I've had my kinfolk to say that before, you know, and, 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 and things like that. So it's, so despise the day of small things, very small thing. It's odd and, and, and weird. When it used to didn't be this way. Used to, again, used to, perspective, perspective. The majority of Americans, uh, no matter what religion they were in, we're not as flamboyant and and, uh, and 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 entertaining and worldly. Now I might not agree with them doctrinally, and they might not agree with me. <clears throat> but the the idea that bigger is better, and that uh, and that the the days of small things are are to be despised and, and no longer relevant to today, friends. Let's never think that way about ourselves nor our service to God. And now ourselves and, uh, and how, how we consider ourselves. And, and there, was a, there was a man who, who uh, rose up against Moses. His name was Korah. And uh, he had two other friends with him. Uh, and, and Korah, just, he just wasn't happy. He just wasn't happy having... Moses and Aaron to be so set apart that God set them apart, by the way. You know, that, that wasn't Moses' choice, nor was it... Now, Aaron was a little different. You know, Moses said, I'm, I'm a man of, that, uh, that, that I don't speak very well. My, my voice, I'm not eloquent. Uh, it's hard for me to communicate. And so God gave him his brother to communicate, a more eloquent speaker. And it just, and Korah thought, you know, that, that's not right. We're just as important as you are. All of us, of the sons of Levi's, are important. And so, by perspective, by perspective, Korah saw that Moses had a higher standing. And now, if somebody's got a higher standing in the church, the only thing you can do is bring that person down or get up there with them, if, that's, if that is your ambition. To, to despise the day of small things is to say, I am not happy being a servant. I've got to have more. Now Moses was what? The mediator. Aaron was what? The high priest. Guess who they both represent? Jesus Christ. They are both types and shadows of our Savior. It is not good for the church to try to exalt ourselves to do things, to be things in which we cannot do and we cannot be. So Moses would say to, to Korah, uh, Seemeth it a small thing to you? Seemeth it a small, meaningless thing to you that God hath chosen you to offer sacrifices to Him? Why can't you be happy with that, Moses said. 
Why can't you be content with what God has called you to do? Why can't you be content with being a servant as God has called you to be a servant? Why must you want more? Why do you despise a day of small things and think it's small and meaningless what you do? What we do here today, friends, is the most meaningful thing that you'll ever do this week. Your service to God and how God has called you to serve Him is the most meaningful thing that you will ever do this week, next Sunday, because, you know, the, the, uh, uh, and, and when God calls us to serve, it doesn't end here. It doesn't end at Buffalo Church. You say, well, I'm, I'm a, I, I, I go out to Buffalo Church, I, I listen to some, to some preaching, uh, and then that's all I ever think about when it comes to God. When I leave there, you know, I'm, I'm back to myself. I'm back to, I'm back to, the, uh, to the natural man. I yield over to the natural man very easily. And that, that's, you know, that is something that we all have tendencies to do is to, uh, and, and despise small things that, of God's working in us and what we are called to do and seem to a small thing for us to serve our God, even when we leave here. I have to watch myself. You know, it's, it's a, because I, so far I have never, ever improved in my nature, ever. And you're not going to. You know, the Apostle Paul knew. He knew exactly. He said, he said in my, he said, I, I find a law warring in me. And I still find the law of sin, folks. You know how you still got it? You know how you still, you know that you have the law of sins because you're dying? When the minute, the minute you are conceived in the womb, you start a process called dying. And one of these days, I'm going to draw my last breath. And I will no longer be on this earth. And if by God's good grace and His tender mercy toward me, I am allowed to enter into heaven on the work of Jesus Christ. That is the only thing that's going to free me from the law of sin and death that my body is under. Now, my spirit is not under it. The spirit never dies. My spirit is free. My soul is free from the, from the curse of that law. My body is not. It's going to die unless Jesus comes back first. Unless the Lord comes back first. That's how we know that we are, that I haven't changed. My, my, you know, I, I'm not going to live forever. There's not a doctor that's ever going to come up with a, a prescription it's gonna, it's gonna be eternal life. There's no pill to take. Now I got pills to keep my cholesterol down. I got pills to keep my blood pressure down. But they have yet to give me one called an eternal pill. So, you know, the only thing then that that Jesus that that I can count on an unchanging thing is is a was is considered a small thing. Even even Bethlehem, you know, this is this is Christmas time. You know that even God tells Bethlehem, <clears throat> though thou art small and little among the thousands of Judah, yet I am going to put my man, my servant, and call him in thee to come to me, that he 
is going to be the king of Israel. And this, God says, has been from the days of everlasting. This has been my theme from before I even created this world, that Jesus Christ is going to be called from a small place, considered small. God, how God works, are, are, it's always considered small in the eyes of men who have a lack of understanding. The work of grace is a small thing. If it, it, cause remember, if God just excludes us, if He excludes Lofton from having anything to do with my salvation, then I don't get any glory. I don't get any glory for that. And you know what? He does exclude it. He excludes me from sharing in His glory. I get to glorify in Him. I don't glorify myself. Is that, isn't that how, how the Apostle Paul somewhat ends up this first chapter talk, talking about the world in 1 in, in Corinthians? That God hath chosen, the 27th, the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound those that are mighty. Base things of the world, things that are despised, God hath chosen. Things that are not to bring to nothing, things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence. There you go. No flesh should glory in His presence. We glory in the Lord, and that's it. In His work is salvation. Do not despise the day of small things. This is important. This is very important. What we're doing together today is important. It is a day considered small, but it is not. Because it is of God that you are in Christ. Notice, notice the theme here. Paul ends, it is of God that you are in Christ, who of God is made unto us, didn't offer unto us, but He is made to us. Wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. That according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord and nothing else. Don't be like Korah. Don't be like Korah and say, it's not right that the mediator and the high priest are exalted so high and I am just as important as they are. Seemeth it a small thing for God to call us to serve Him. Again, in the book of Malachi, as God addresses the Israelites and tells them this. God says, that you do not serve because there is no reward. Seemeth it a small thing for you to serve God? Why is it now we call the proud happy? Why are those that are uh, exalted, we exalt those that are, that are wicked. We set people in our hearts and minds and value who they are because of worldliness, vainglory. And you say, it is vain to serve the Lord. It is vain to keep His ordinances. For what doth it profit, God says? What doth it profit? That is, that is his question that he puts to us that we ask. What, to what profit is it that we walk mournfully before the Lord? 
and that we serve the Lord. What profit is it? It doesn't gain you worldly profit. It doesn't. You know, there, there's a lot of a lot of churches today who, uh, you know, they run like a business, and they they hire you know they hire this and hire that, and they pay well. They pay well. <clears throat> the church is not a business of worldly gain. It is a business of serving God. You know, Christ, he would thrust out money changers when, when they would make the temple of God a place of business. And this is a money-making proposition. <laughs> you know, people who are entrepreneurs, they think a lot of how to make money. Well, shoot, if they ain't got any, you know, they, they, they don't bring anything to the temple, what about if we just supply it for them and just charge them this? And then, and then, you know what? The next thing you know, people are like, well, it's easier to pay it than it is to bring our own. We'll just, and so it's a, it's a win-win situation. You know, they're going to provide the offering. I'll just give them some money. They go up on their, their calls. Well, it keeps me from going out and getting one out of my field. It keeps me from, from doing extra work. It keeps me from labor. I'll just go buy one from them. Jesus Christ came in and saw how they were operating three different times on three separate occasions. Jesus Christ did the same thing in that temple. Did y'all know that? I know y'all have heard, of the, have heard when, the, when the Lord overthrew the money changer's table. Did y'all know that that was three separate times he, did, he had to do it? People just don't learn. They just don't learn. And he said, you've made the house of, you said my house, a merchandise of thieves. This is a house of prayer. This is where you come to serve God. This is not a place of business. He threw over through their money changers table. Now, the, the, the children of God, friends, are uh, it is a business we, we attend to. And there is a profit in it. Serving God yields a profit. And it's the best profit you'll ever have. Because the poor of this world still have this profit. Hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, to be heirs of the kingdom? You don't have to have a lot of money to enjoy the riches of Christ. You can be, a, you can be as poor as there, of any individual on this earth and enjoy the riches of Christ. Though th- this, is, this is what you serve God for. This is your reward. That's why Christ says, Behold, my reward is with me to give to every man according to his work shall be. You labor in this field. You labor in the Lord. You do not despise the day of small things. You dig deep. You work. You strive. Your reward is Christ. The assurance of Christ. Fellowship with Christ. Fellowship with one another. Spiritual feelings, exalting to heavenly places. High places, right upon the high places of the earth. Glorious feelings, and then you can sing glorious things of thee are spoken. Zion, city of our God. He whose word cannot be spoken, form thee for his own abode. That's you. On the rock of ages founded, what can shake his sure repose? With salvation's wall surrounded, you can laugh at all your foes. 
Now that, that, that just shows you why what Brother Cole was talking about, you can, you know, your enemies, your soldier, you can laugh at your foes when you are standing strong with the Lord and putting on the armor of God. 